Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OK, Now What? Today you got me, Greg, and Jason, and the little baby. Tell us who the little baby is. This is Ziggy. Ziggy, oh, And how old is he? Uh, he's about five years old. Oh, yeah. such a cutie. Well, thank you for joining us. I hope you have a lot to say. It's so, <laughs> like, so yes, do, I do. We'll see. We'll see if it's relevant. <laughs> um, all right. So first, um, unfortunately, they're not here. Um, but we want to give a shout out again to our co-hosts, Elizabeth uh, Trejo and Robin Rahill, who have been elected ADEMs for the California Democratic Party. And um, we were also told that 85% of progressives who ran won, and yeah, which is and a, really there great. Really, there was a really good organizing movement. And when I talk to people, um, I think this is, this is a good topic for us to start out with, because when I talk to people who um, uh, say that, that it's, there's no use um, being a part of the Democratic Party, uh, it's too hard to fight, you know, when you get the right organization, when you get people who are all sort of committed to the same goal, like, you know, and, and understand how the process works, then you can really, um, you can really take over a lot of things. I've been telling people here in Washington state, you know, um, we can do the same thing that California did. Um, and we'll have a lot of direct power as progressives. Um, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, I mean, all over districts, all over California, um, the, the progressives won because there was a lot of um, out community outreach, right? So you had these slates going on in every district. Mm -hmm. And basically there was, you know, you get 15 delegates per, per district. And, you know, the ones who were identified on those slates, you know, these are the 15 you want to pick, you know, and that got pushed out to the public through text through, mm -hmm. through um, you know, Facebook messaging, through, through Twitter it messaging. It was all over the place. It was all over the place. And I have to tell you, the tech guy on my campaign was a big part of that organizing. So, you know, that is so cool. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to tell anybody who it is, but, but he, he had his fingers in it. In he, he shall be, he shall remain nameless. And but I'm it's extremely, okay. I'm extremely, uh, now he is, he is my brother from another mother, <laughs> um, but I'm extremely lucky to have him working on my campaign also. Um, and he's a, he's a wonderful guy, but 87% of those slates that went out, those people won. So We're now, progressive. Yeah, now you've got a really solid cohort of people mm -hmm. who can now sort of filter power upwards and, do endorsements and you know and not just yeah. in congressional races but in in mayor's races and city council races and all sorts of stuff state That's assembly it's it's grassroots organizing so the democratic party is open to grassroots organizing and taking that kind of power but you got to have people who understand how the process works mm -hmm. and they're and they're willing to commit to seeing it through too many times i see somebody who's like, oh, things aren't working out the, the way I want them to. This is too much for me. I can't deal with this. Like, I want to let people know this is what to expect. This is how the process is. Um, this is how you you take power, but you've got to commit to doing it long term. You gotta put like two years into it and then you'll see some changes. But like if you can't, if you can't hang with it for more than six months, you know, for me it's like, okay, well, let me find somebody who will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
That's great. And I'm so glad. Yes. And I'm so glad this is happening because now we can, we can, we have, we have some little hold onto it. So it's, it's really exciting. Um, now. Very excited to see what happens there. Yeah. Now, so you're on the little one twitter today and um <laughs> you i had some free t- i had some free time <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you did and i saw myself getting in fights with people on twitter you know? <laughs> so, so jill biden um had posted um a tweet saying healing courage love compassion gratitude and with a big giant valentine's day heart saying healing uh and uh jen saki Saki, yeah, uh, Jem Saki, the um, uh, White House press secretary. Yeah, she had retweeted it saying, compassion and kindness is back. And yeah. I loved your response. You said, the establishment, excuse me, that was my sister calling me. Um, the establishment is not content with trashing, trashing the word progressive. They want to trash compassion and kindness now. We need Medicare for all and stimulus checks yesterday. And the kids are still in cages. That was literally the best response I could ever think of. Well, and it, and it, and it follows up on, and anybody who follows me on Twitter probably knows that there was a big old Twitter beef uh, a couple of days ago because I had retweeted um, Amy Siskind um, who has half a million followers. She's obviously got some people who, who, who have, a, you know, Amy Siskin tweeted, ding, you know. So um, I had a bunch of people. I had a bunch of, um, you know, moderate Dems, liberals, uh, Biden-Harris supporters, whatever. They came into my Twitter feed and really hounded me. But, you know, they were calling it a ratio. It wasn't a ratio. My people, you know, our side came in and really out-ratioed them on it. Um, so, but... But this idea, it's it it is it is the mental it is that brunch, it is that brunch mentality that so many of us on the left said, you know, we said it back in 2016, Hillary Clinton gets in office, everybody's gonna think the job's done. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're gonna be like, Oh, we'll just let pe- these people do their thing. Democrats are in charge, peachy keen, everything's gonna be fine. Just wait for things to take their, you know, you know, the 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 process to work and and so I had retweeted uh, Amy Siskind on something. She was like, you know, basically saying how wonderful it feels right now. Um, and I had said, well, to me, it feels like uh, we're drowning in student debt still. Yeah. It feels like, it feels like um, tens of millions of people don't have health care. And it feels like kids are still in cages, you know. Because so, that's exactly and, what's happening. And so I'm, I'm so frustrated with, you know, this Biden thing got got tweeted out and 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 the liberals are losing their mind over it they're like you know jill put all these hearts on the wall on the lawn and tweeted out all of these you know nice words Mm -hmm. and isn't it so good that our country is going back to compassion and kindness and i'm like i don't you know we're we we are being denied our stimulus checks here you know Mm -hmm compassion and kindness while people still don't have health care while while we are still turning people away at the border who are seeking asylum which is a human right asylum is a human right people you know mm-hmm. um and people are coming here from there uh either climate refugee or economic refugee and and they are looking at our country for help and they are you know and they are being turned away so um 
why we still don't have health care and while the kids are still in cages yeah. and while we we are not getting you know it's going to be another month before we get economic relief uh and it's not going to be what they said and now they want to means tested even more um you know i don't see i don't see the compassion and kindness and when they start you know talking like that it makes it it really you know maybe triggers not the right word but it sets me off because i'm like mm -hmm. here they go they're going to brunch they're going to sleep and, and what pisses me off of. is that i don't care about your damn little hearts i don't this is performance this is theater and i want policy i want change i want the kids out of the cages i want medicare for all and i want some damn checks yeah yeah. Now, if you were doing all that and you wanted to just do some cute little Valentine's Day thing, yeah, that's when you can do that because you're actually bringing stuff to the table. Joe no, Biden, be, Joe Biden, you're not. I don't want to be a humbug. I really don't want to be a humbug because I want people to, you know, I want people to be able to enjoy the fact that Trump is gone. That's fine. You can yeah. enjoy the fact that Trump is gone. Um, but to, to have this era of, all right, Jill and Joe are in the White House now and all is right with the world. And, and you know, that's the vibe you're putting out. It's, it's really, you know, it's, for me, it's very disingenuous. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and, it, and I think it's there to placate people. Um, and, you know, like I said, I don't want to be a humbug. Have your hearts, you know. Um, but can you imagine, yeah, I mean, the way if Mel, if Melania had done that, and I'm not going to defend Melania in any way. I mean, I think you know Trump and Melania are a terrible thing. But the the optics of it, like if she had done something like that, the you know they would have gone. This these same people would have gone after her, you know, and and talked about how could you possibly say this while you know this is going on in our mm -hmm. government, right? So the whole script would be flipped. And yet it's the same situation because materially for people in this country, three weeks into the Biden presidency, things have not changed. And that was one yeah. of the arguments that the, the liberals kept wanting to make. Well, it's only been three weeks. And I'm like, we heard a lot of day one stuff. We heard, you know, we know what executive orders can do. None of that stuff was done. We're going to mm -hmm. go back to this Obama style of negotiating where you start from the middle and move to the right. And we're already seeing it happen. You know? Yeah. It's very disappointing because... It's if you, if you want to be excited that Trump is gone and you want to be happy about it, cool. Use that energy to now be able to hold your representatives accountable, We've and not play into, and not and, and not play into this neoliberal fantasy. Um, but yeah. So moving on, uh, it's day what four three into the impeachment trial, and any of it. I know, I know. They're not going to convict him. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. But um, there was some damning footage shown at the impeachment trial, which in fact was a little scary. I'm, you know, I'm going to show you this um, this four minute clip. I first have to, you know, pull it up. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I haven't mm -hmm. seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Okay. Damn computer. All right. I'm sharing the screen now.
It was not until preparing for this trial that I understood the full scope and learned the information that you're going to see, that I understood the effort to attack our seat of government in order to carry out President Trump's mission to prevent the certification of a presidential election. Multiple capital injuries. 1318. They 12 to 5th, and we're coming around uh, from the south side. Be advised, the seat ended. It's a one be advised. You got a group of about 50 uh, charging up the hill on the west front, uh, just north of the, of the stairs. Uh, they're approaching the wall now. In another radio communication between Metropolitan Police officers, you can hear an officer declare that there is a riot at the Capitol at 1.49 p.m. We're going to give riot warning. This is the hour out of here. We're So I'm going to go ahead and end it right there. But what is your thoughts on this? Um, I just... He committed treason. Why are we still having this conversation? I, I want to I first, first acknowledge, because I am very critical of police and policing mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, the racism inherent in police, mm -hmm. the history of policing, and police unions that aren't really unions. In fact, I talked to somebody today and I said, you know, police unions are essentially protection rackets for the oligarchy. But, you know, they, I, I am extremely critical of policing, um, and, and I believe that we need to go beyond defund the police, and we need to abolish the police and, and decarcerate mm -hmm. our entire society. And if we can have the right social supports for, you know, universal social supports and jobs guarantees and, you know, housing for everybody, you know, that we're, we're, we're really going to be able to shrink that police down to, you know, a very minimal force. And I'm, you know, and, and we'll see what happens. That's, that's my goal. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how people all live in harmony. But I do want to recognize um, that those cops, I were legitimately terrified and you could hear it in their voice. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, 
I still don't know that we have the full story on who knew what about that day in terms of the police mm -hmm. and who called for backup and um, and they were clearly let in though. They were clearly let in, but I don't necessarily want to say that that message filtered out to all of the Capitol Police or the DC Police. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't. I mean, who really knows? I'm, and I, I haven't read anything that said these specific people knew this uh, specific, you know, because there were some, there were some officers there who were legitimately there to defend the Capitol. That was their, that they were acting on their job. That's fair, you know. There was literally one of them that led them the other way away from the Senate and, chamber. And so, and so, I believe that you know there were some police there who were who were legitimate, ter mm -hmm. terrified. Like I said, you could you could you could hear it in you could hear it in their voices. Yeah. So I don't want to diminish that. Um, but you know, as far as as far as the it's 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 stunning that uh, that so much of this started with and and was centered on um, Trump's statements about the election mm -hmm. and the fraud of the election. You know, yeah. Um, and if you if you are shouting, you know, we've got limits to free speech. You know, I mean, it it constitutionally you you can't shout fire in a crowded building you can't mm -hmm. you can't incite you riots. can't yell bomb in an airport <laughs> yeah and you, you you can't incite riots and so i don't think there's any doubt that that trump's rhetoric incited a riot you know and and people got hurt and i mean uh, this is the same guy who said good people on both sides like i mean come on we're used yeah. to this already yeah so so yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be uh, a shame. You know, I, I know some people on the left are like, you know, this this um, impeachment. You know, the liberals love it, right? The moderates are like, yeah, go impeach. Um, the 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 left is like, you know, we got to get on with real policy, and this is a distraction. Um, and well, I and I don't think. I mean, I think it needs to be done. I think it but, needs to be done. But it's, it's the way it. that they are using it as a distraction to uh to not get shit done yeah. oh yeah we can do other things we can do other things also we can multitask guys right. it's, it can't be done <laughs> well you know and that's another thing just just you know while we're on that you know when i was critical of how little you know has actually been done um to to like i said deal with our material problems right now um one of the responses on that tweet thread was mm -hmm. well i think our first you know we're, we're dealing with the pandemic right now. And I thought, you know what? We should be able to handle multiple things at the same time. I mean, FDR we did it. We can, we can deal with the pandemic and we can get people health care, you know, and we can change our policies uh, on, on the environment. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of things that we can do, you know, we can. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can, uh, you know, start building, uh, sustainable public housing i mean there's all sorts of things that we can do to say so to say that we can you know this one thing is happening so everything else mm -hmm. rides to a halt i think i think you know that in itself is a failure of our government if that's really the way it is and so look who decided to join us today it's thomas thank you <laughs> i'm glad you're able to come on <laughs> and a little bit of a tech issue but it's okay yeah, that's good so it is February. We were supposed to do this last episode. Unfortunately, things got hectic and we didn't. But we want to do two shout outs for Black History Month. One, we want to shout out the anniversary of the 
uh, NAACP. It is their 112th anniversary. Jason, you retweeted this earlier. Do you want to go ahead and share more information? Um, sure. Well, you know, following race riots in Springfield, mm -hmm. which was the, you know, the land of Lincoln, the capital city of Illinois, uh, in 1908, uh, uh, number of people got together black uh black people and their white allies um mm -hmm. and they formed uh the NAACP and you know so I'm not gonna I mean we all uh are aware of the NAACP but the the, the thing the point that I made when I retweeted about this um uh was that the those founders of this organization were uh, primarily socialists, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. W.E.B. Dubois was uh, uh, an amazing socialist Pan-African thinker. Um, and uh, I don't know uh, if, if Ida Wells, how she, how much she was tied into the socialist movement, but certainly um, the, the women's rights movement. And, you know, um, to think about where we are 112 years later, uh, the comment that I made um, that Back when the NAACP was formed and, and following those race riots, which, which really kind of spurred its creation, um, here we are 112 years later having mm -hmm. what is essentially race riots again, and that it has been so well established that over the last century, the, the links between capitalism and racism, um, and uh, um, I forgot the other thing that I, <laughs> that I, that I was going to tie that to, capitalism, racism, um, anyway... Oh, and police, police violence, you know, mm -hmm. um, that, that we are dealing with those same problems, you know, uh, in, in, I'm not sure. Cause you know, obviously we weren't there that long ago. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but, but we're the, the things that are the root of so much conflict in this country, uh, have not gone away. And I think, yeah. um, we, we really, you know, do we, we need to work harder. Obviously we need to work harder. But I think, you know, there needs to be some kind of awakening in the, the I, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but sort of the white liberal mentality that we're really not done. Like capitalism really is the problem here. Mm -hmm. It really like, is. Yeah. So tied together. Um, and I want to say for my for my own journey and understanding the racism part is I, mean, I I used to be much more of a sort of a class reductionist like the economics of this are really at the root of the problem. Uh, but you know as much as they are the racism uh, of our society is 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 really its own separate entity mm -hmm. and needs to be addressed as its own separate entity. So yeah. um, I have grown out of that sort of class reductionism into really understanding the the intertwining of the two but also the separateness of the two dealing with economic issues and dealing with with racial strife so yeah. um, that's what i wanted to say but congratulations to the naacp um good socialists yes and <laughs> speaking of socialists we want to give uh, a shout out to the historical black panthers they were um mm -hmm. a political organization in, in october of formed in october of 1966 um, they they fought for you know not just um, for justice among African Americans, but were also pretty socialists in in their policy um, demands. Uh, Thomas, what do you uh, what what do you want to add on to? I was going to say Fred Hampton was a communist. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, that gets erased in history quite a lot. 
a lot of people like to quote his quotes, but never finish him off of actually stating that he's a communist and what he believed. Yeah. Um, and uh, another thing that really sort of uh, sparks in me is he was 21 years old. Fred Hampton was 21. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, to, like for anybody young who's listening, you know, you don't have to be 30 years old. You have to. You don't have to have experience. You don't have to. You know, if something is something important you want to fight for, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't have to be, um, you don't have to be like this. There's, there's no like start starting limit, you know, like yeah. go, go for it because we desperately need change. Um, and I think, uh, I think these sort of little uh, history tidbits uh, get sh- pushed aside a lot of the time. Um, mm-hmm. to sort of uh, ease over or try and cover over um, the reality of, of what happened. Um, and it's heartbreaking but yeah. because this, is, this isn't just black, black history. This is American history. Like, black history is American history. Yeah. And when you're trying to erase the certain parts of, of history, you know, of course we're doomed to repeat it, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I can, that's why ethnic sorry, studies on. and black history is just so important. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, speaking from my experience, because obviously I grew up in the UK education system, um, we didn't necessarily study um, actual like uh, black revolutionary individuals. Like, we didn't really study Malcolm X, didn't really study Martin Luther King. We studied mainly on the slavery topic, um, did a whole sort of like semester on, in fact, we were made to watch Roots, the, uh, oh, okay. the mini TV series. Um, uh, but a lot of the time, uh, what, what, what happened was that the, the idea that the British uh, somehow were part of the liberation movement, even though it's mm-hmm, they. Mm-hmm. they they didn't really do it by choice. It, um, a lot of people forget that Haiti um, was the first to sort of revolt and liberate itself mm-hmm. from slavery. Um, so, you know, a lot of these times, uh, unfortunately, um, and this happens in a lot of Western countries, is that they, they try and rewrite um, the idea that they sort of quell the actual sort of history of the involvement that they, the amount that they were involved in with suppressing um, and um, taking advantage of a whole t- entire demographic of people um, and try and spin it in a way that sort of sounds a little bit nicer than what it actually was. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, it's uh, high time that we had some actual. Um, uh, real education on yeah. history because you are right black history is history it, <laughs> it shouldn't should never be just you know cemented down to a month but this is exactly where we are. when we have 11 other months are. of just white bs <laughs> but this is this is where we are at the moment so we need to, we really need to uh get this out there to people yeah, I mean, topically relevant, you brought up roots, and so I'll mention that the passing of Cicely Tyson at the age of yeah. 97, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. starting that miniseries. I remember watching that uh, when I was a kid. I was six years old in 1977. I, I, I didn't watch it at the time, but I remember my I remember my parents watching it, and then I remember watching it, you know, probably as, as a repeat. Maybe I was 10 or 11 years old, but, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
And um, then the other thing is HBO Max. If you've got HBO Max, they're releasing the movie today uh, on Fred, oh, Hamp- yeah. Fred Hampton, Judas and the Black Messiah. So oh. we're wrapped up here. I'm going to go. I'm going to yeah. watch that. Uh, some uh, Daniel Kaluuya uh, and, and uh, doing Fred Hampton. Um, and watch but party. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to um, I wanted to follow. I, I was a high school teacher for almost 20 years. And so I've been through. Mm-hmm. Uh, many, many, many Martin Luther King celebrations. Um, and I remember back in the late 80s when we had our first uh, uh, in Washington State, it was like 86, 87, that they, that they changed the federal law, made it, made it a holiday, um, and that we started having that recognition in schools. But, you know, as a high school teacher, the Martin Luther King assemblies are always very sanitized. They're always yeah. very, they're very much focused on racism and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, there's, you can do a whole assembly on racism <laughs> for Martin. You could do a whole week's worth of, you know, of course. Um, but always left out is uh, the fact that our country, uh, uh, you know, J. Edgar Hoover was after him as a communist. Um, mm-hmm. That, um, that, uh, uh, he, he spoke out against the Vietnam War. You know, he was he was he spoke really out against like, moderates. Yeah, spoke out against the moderate moderate whites and said moderate whites are the problem. Um, and uh, and spoke out against economic injustice. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. and so when we do these assemblies for school every year, and believe me, as the activist I am, I talk to the administration. We need to be including this. We need to be doing the full picture. I would write articles for the school paper on this. Mm-hmm. You know, let's not leave out you know, the fullness of what Martin Luther, because he was, you know, an amazing movement leader. Movement was just not focused on one thing. It was focused on, you know, a a much bigger picture than, than, than just the, the racism aspect of it, because it's all interwoven. I mean, militarism and imperialism um, also has huge, uh, Mm -hmm. um, you know, interwoven racism into it, you know, not, and not just in our country, but globally, you know? So, so uh, I just, I wanted to say that just that's, that's my experience that, that we, we still have not gotten to a point where we can all really talk honestly to our kids about who, who Martin Luther King was and and what he meant to a wider movement. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. All right, now let's go ahead and bring on our guest, Christine Olivo from Florida. She's coming. <laughs> hello, hello. Hi, Christine. Hi, Christine. You are muted. That's the saying of the year. Well, of 2020. Now, 20- <laughs> You are muted. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing today? Great. How are you doing? Great, great. You know, I I just finished my semester um, for the winter, so I'm excited about that. (laughs) But um, we're so glad to have you here. And uh, we're just going to go on. Well, first, I want you to tell tell our audience who you are, why you're running for Congress. Just give us all that. Well, my name is Christine Olivo, and I am a regular everyday person, just like you, right? Um, I am born and raised in Miami, Florida. I'm running in Miami. 
And I have two sons that I hope will not wake up during this interview <laughs> and run around. Um, Bring them on. I, I, oh, oh, fun. That's what they all say. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm a small business owner. I am a working class mom. So I juggle a lot of different things. That's a little bit about me. My family's mm -hmm. from Haiti. Nice. Uh, which is going through a really tough time right now. Oh. So, uh, you know, it's kind of hard um, for us as a family and just, just as a country, both here and there, just seeing the shift, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're, everybody's shifting, everybody's protesting, everybody's fighting for better. And I just want to be in the forefront of that fight. So that's yeah. who I am. That's so awesome. Jason, go ahead. Yeah. Hi, Christine. Um, so you're running in Florida's tw 24th. Yes. Um, and uh, we had some progressives running there last year. And I did um, I did a podcast. I did, I did a couple of podcasts with S Sakina Latola. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I don't remember. I think there was another progressive running in that race uh, last that year. That was me. That was you. So you were okay. So, um, so first of all how do you feel how do you feel you did last last year uh in sort of acclimating to being a candidate um and and what do you think you're going to be able to do uh differently this year and uh tell us a little bit about your opponent so last year i think i did well running as a non-party um i got thirteen thousand votes which is an accomplishment mm -hmm. right <laughs> but nothing compared to my opponent's 200,000 votes so um I think what um what went well last year is that I got to meet the people I got to speak to the people I was out there on the ground I was hustling I met people that I probably would have never met otherwise um not because I'm not out and about but just because I wasn't I never reason to knock on doors before, right? So I'm I'm meeting people, and I'm gonna be honest with you. the The hardest part of losing the race wasn't that I lost. It, it had nothing to do with me. It was about the people that were still underrepresented, underrepresented, and knowing that they did not have someone that was gonna fight for them. And that's what keeps me up at night, and that's what plagued me. And so um, this time around. I, I, I'm running to win it for them. My goal is to win it for them. And so mm -hmm. I'm not running as a non-party affiliate anymore. I am running as a Democrat. I That's know, I know, I know. <laughs> I am doing the same thing, you know? I mean, okay. it's, it's, a, it's a political reality that I think the left is really struggling with. Um, yes. But, you know, yeah. we are very much a two-party system. Our voting systems yeah. mm -hmm. are not designed for successful third parties. Um, I and, agree. And, you know, if you got to pick one of the two buckets to be in, of course, you're going to be in the Democratic bucket. Yeah, um, exactly. And you will have a voting base that will respond to that. Um, so... Got to make it through the primaries, right? Yeah, got to make it through <laughs> the primaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally understand. Now, there's a lot of redistricting going on as well. So we are in for it. Um, yeah. I, I don't even know. I, I feel like it's going to be an all-out battle for these to draw these lines. Mm -hmm. I, I, I For those of you that are watching that don't know, 
every 10 years, there's a census. And after mm -hmm. that census report is done, we redraw the lines so that the country is equally represented, yeah. right? So Florida will be gaining two seats. Now, Congress always stays 435 um, members. So if Florida's gaining two seats, that means there's going to be some states that are losing seats. And so... Well, um, we already know that West Virginia is going to lose a seat. I think it, they're going from three seats to two seats for that state. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, what about it's California? Be Do we know anything about California? California, I think... Um, I, have the, I have the map. I, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I know Texas is gaining three. Yeah. Oh, um, I don't know. I can't remember California, hmm. but I'll, I'll hit you up later. Once I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thomas, do you have anything to, uh, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just going to add to that, that last point about, um, about, uh, running as a Democrat. Um, I think until we have, uh, ranked choice voting mm -hmm. across the country, I think it's very difficult to run as a third party candidate. I, I remember in the UK during the during when Corbyn was uh, Labour leader mm -hmm. and what the neoliberal demographic tried to do is they tried to split off into a completely new party in order to try and take down Corbyn to try and make out like because they were they were so against the idea of being part of a conservative branch but also didn't want to have anything to do with a socialist agenda like Corbyn. And so they tried to form their own party and it completely bombed. Like it completely, like yeah, it got like no votes. About 9%? They got, they got, it was horrendous. But it, it, was, was, absolutely, but it, was to, it was enough to take the win away from Corbyn. It was, it was enough to take away the win away from Corbyn. So it can be used strategically. It can be used mm -hmm. to uh, siphon votes away from a party. Um, but yeah, I do believe that uh, unless we get some sort of ranked choice voting across and not the country. Only that, I want to go ahead and add on to that. Like the Democrats do also make it hard to sure make <laughs> the third parties even, you know, oh, what's that word? Like e even viable, you know? Yes. And that's, yes. that's a form of voter suppression. Party suppression oh, is yeah. voter suppression. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to say that in Washington, just today even, we have a ranked choice voting bill that didn't mm, pass through committee. Yeah. Um, I posted about it today. It still has a couple of other steps to go through, but, but oh. we're optimistic that we can mm -hmm. get ranked choice yeah. voting here in Washington. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was just going to say that I, I, I'm under the, I, I'm under the logic that uh, you run whatever party affiliation you think will win in that district. Like, if you need to run as a Republican, run as a Republican. Like, do it. I don't see why you can't do it. Like, you know, like I just... Go I will say I know one uh, candidate. I'm not going to say their name, but I know <laughs> that they're running as a Republican. I know they're not a Republican, but Wait, I know. Like, what? Like, what are their policies? Like, Medicare for all? No, no. They're they're also not... They're, they're not progressive, but they're, oh. they're like, a, a moderate Democrat. But they, they ran for so many times... They're like, you know what? I'm going to switch it up. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever works for you. Oh, and my. Imagine a progressive running as a Republican. 
that would be, be hilarious. Really funny. I vote for them. I vote. That'd be the only time I vote Republican. I swear, that'd be so funny. I, I think it would be a genius idea if. I mean, but you would have to be so committed. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 would need some acting skills because you would have to be so committed to I am the Republican major. agenda <laughs> just to get in, right? Yeah, yeah. Unless unless you knew how to take over the party at the grassroots level and you could get a bunch of other people who are committed to do it with you. So, um, Christina, I, I have a question for you uh, or just, you know, just your thoughts on uh, you, you your intro sound like you're really connected to your Haitian roots. Um, and one of the things that uh, I am running on as a candidate, I think a lot of the progressive left is, I mean, we're very anti-capitalist. Um, we're very anti-imperialism, anti-colonialism, um, and anti-fascism, and all, all of that stuff is really, it's, it's all connected. Um, but, but for hundreds of years, uh, Haiti is, is a country that has been exploited horribly mm-hmm. and still is, you know, yes. and that's really what, what uh, I wanted you to talk about is, you know, the relation uh, that you see sort of the global capitalism that we are on the, the left in America is fighting against um, and, and how that global capitalism has affected, um, you know, the Haiti. I mean, I, I, I think you probably have a lot more insights uh, than stuff I could go out and read. And so I just mm-hmm. like you to talk about that. Well, okay. So Haiti's a very spiritual country so we a lot of people in my family have a theory right they feel that because Haitians fought so hard to be liberated and to be the first you know black country to be free from slavery that we were punished um like almost like a curse was put on us right like that's and and maybe it's not really a curse but maybe it's like everybody got together and said oh absolutely not we're not going to allow this they may be free now but we're going to keep them oppressed like we are going to make sure that they do not thrive um and and so now you do we have, gotta like go over there and sage it up like maybe like that's no. what i'm like <laughs> <laughs> i will grab so, my stage right now <laughs> so so now um it has taken decades for haitians to realize the negative impact that america has had on haiti not obviously they've realized that they verbalized it but to actually come together and and collectively say, stay out of our business. Like if you look mm-hmm. online right now, Haitians are saying, we want the US to stay out of it. We are gonna fix this problem. We are gonna fix our government and we don't want you anywhere near it. They are tired of Americans. They are tired mm-hmm. of, of, you know, the we need a new ambassador, but they're tired of the ambassadors taking the, the government side and not being there for the people. Mm-hmm. We are t- tired of them giving, why do we have American military weapons on our streets? Who is giving it to them? Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's almost like there's this big conspiracy, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but but that, that's what that's what the Haitians think. 
Like there is this, this huge idea that, that, you know what, we can funnel things through Haiti. Um, they're the poorest country, let's help them out. And then let's take all the funds and hire all of our own people to, to help them rebuild. But we keep the money with us, not with them, you know? Or um, people just, just, just need to realize things. that imperialism is still happening, y'all. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. It it's is. a colonialist mindset. It, it's it's a very dangerous time right now in Haiti. Um, so it's sad, but it I, I look at it almost like pandemic, right? The pandemic is sad. It's a horrible time, but it's also a moment for us to rise up and we can demand change mm -hmm. because things are so bad. We can demand change because they can't say, oh, but we're doing so good right now. No, they can't. You 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 can only challenge authority when authority is not pulling their own weight when they're not showing yeah. any justice for their people so um so anyways make a long story short Haiti is realizing that they have to take their own power back mm -hmm. and I just want to say that regardless of what you hear in the news about Haiti being the poorest country in the world which they love to say every single time Haiti's They've said it beautiful. since I was a kid. I'm almost 50 years old, and that's all we've ever heard about Haiti. Yep. Yes, mm -hmm. but 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 my my I still have family in Haiti. We have uh you know we have property in Haiti. Um, the mountains are beautiful. We my family goes and they'll vacation there, but nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about the mountains and the views and 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 just the people and the culture and the music. No one talks about mm. that. They just say that we're poor, and then you see kids with no shoes in the streets and then you wonder hold on a second why don't they have shoes why are they in the streets why are we taking pictures of this when we should be asking where's the money so exactly wow thank you. i love your passion on that issue i, I really know thank feel. you for bringing light <laughs> to that because you know not every day i think about that and that, that's something we need to start thinking about uh christine yeah. so go ahead and sh shout out your social media, your website, how people like me can become a volunteer. <laughs> um, well, uh, you can find me, well, the website is www.christineforcongress.org. Which will be um, in the description below. Yes, christineforcongress.org. Um, and you can go to my Facebook and Instagram. They're both Christine for Congress. And then Twitter is Christine Four twenty-four and four is F O R. Christine mm -hmm. F O R twenty-four. Let's see mm -hmm. what else. I mean, I have a TikTok. It's Christine Number Four <laughs> Congress. I haven't started yet. I'm like working on my moves. You know. <laughs> hey, if you need me to start doing little funny videos? I got you. <laughs> yes, yes. And you can volunteer. You can sign up for everything on the website. Mm -hmm. Um, but overall, even if you don't research me i just want whoever's watching to take one thing and know you do not there is no qualification other than the fact that you have a passion for your community for you to run for congress before i put my name in the hat mm -hmm. i was just a mom of two boys um trying to survive well, i was fed there, up there and are, that's why qualifications yep you have to be yeah. 25 years old and you have to have been in the country for seven years beyond that well, yes. go for it <laughs> yes yes obviously like the the technical qualifications yeah. but that that literally is it mm -hmm. like it. your age 
um, and where you live and, and, and your citizenship. Like that is it. Other than that, what I'm saying is you don't have to be an attorney. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to, you just have to have a passion for the people mm -hmm. and a willing heart and an open mind. Um, so mm -hmm. please, please consider running. If you're watching and you're thinking maybe I should run. Yes, you should. Thank you so Unless much. Unless you're Christine. Donald Trump, and then you definitely. Oh no 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 yeah yeah, yeah go away. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, well, thank you so much, Christine, for joining on. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, all her info is in the description below. Check her out. Real Bye. pleasure. All right, everyone, and that concludes our episode of OK Now. What? We hope to see you next week. Next week we have Alexandra Hunt, who is running for Congress in Pennsylvania's. Uh, third district and please check us out on social media our social media is in the description below also um please tune in next week bye subscribe <laughs>